So between, uh, I'll make a couple of confessions to you today. This is the first of several confessions. Does that make you want to listen a little bit more? I will. So my first confession is, um, I was a little distracted this week, not only because we had three funerals, but, uh, you know. Um, and, and so I gave to the secretary the wrong scripture lesson. That's my first confession. That's pretty forgivable. So the real uh, passage that we're reading from is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, really the whole of the chapter will be the focus, but I'll, I'll abbreviate it a little bit. So I'll read the first verse, 2 Corinthians 4. First verse, and I'll skip to the seventh verse and then read through. And then I'll base my talk on this. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. He repeats that phrase twice in this passage. We do not lose heart. Now verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light, momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, the weight of glory, as Paul says. So verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For it is, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and we ask that your spirit awaken our hearts and minds so that we can come to a, a deeper understanding and a truer faith in you, our life, in thy name. Amen. I believe in evil. Now, probably the worst introduction ever given in a sermon, but let me, let me talk about that for a second. I believe evil is more than simply a series of bad decisions. I believe that evil is a thing. It's something. It's real. Now, of course, I believe in our Lord Jesus. I believe in the overwhelming power of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God and the triumph of our Lord Jesus. But I believe evil is a thing. It's real. 
and it's more than simply bad decisions. I look at what's happening in the world. I see, for example, what's happening in Somalia, where there is ethnic cleansing going on of the worst kind. Uh, in the news this past week in Syria, unspeakable horrors. This is not just, I made a bad choice. This is evil. And if I look around, even at our own community, truth, if I look in my own heart, there's an evil there. And, and we need to deal with that. We need to understand it. So the question I want to uh, uh, address this morning is, how do we overcome evil? And with all its stuff, I think evil is not very clever. I think it's terribly unoriginal. But it's real, and it hurts. And so the question is, how do we overcome evil? Well, if we look at this passage, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which is a marvelous passage. In fact, four, 3, 4, and 5 are just powerful passages. The, the first thing I'd like to suggest in, in answering the question is, how do we overcome evil? The first thing in verse 1 of, of the chapter 4, the first thing that we need to do is we need to not lose sight of our essential mission. Therefore, says Paul in verse 1, since we have this ministry. Now, whenever you see a, uh, a, a verse starting with the word therefore or since, and Paul uses both, therefore, since we have this ministry or mission, then you need to look back at the previous passage or the previous verse to see what he's referencing. Therefore, since we have this mission. What is the mission? The essential mission of the church, the essential mission of our lives, according to the verse before, the last church in, uh, chapter and uh, verse in verse 3, chapter 3, the essential mission is spiritual transformation. That's what Paul says. The essential ministry or mission of the church is inner or spiritual transformation. Now, the church in history has long known that. Do you remember back in the day when we used to memorize stuff? Do you remember that? Nobody does that anymore because you just kind of look it up. But remember in the day when in churches we actually had to memorize stuff? Question one from the Westminster Catechism. Anybody in old-time Baptist or Presbyterian actually had to memorize stuff? What is the chief end of humanity? You know the answer to that one? The chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Spiritual transformation. See, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. We have these big programs, big projects. We're going to change the world. We're going to eliminate poverty. We're going to do... The essential ministry of the church is spiritual transformation. Glorify God and enjoy God forever. No love and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. No love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think we need to make sure we keep that as the essential mission, and we need to keep sight of what that is. So, for example, a little later on in the service, we're going to commission our kids and adults who are going on the group work camp. Programs and projects like that are so essential, but it's not the essential ministry of the church. And so we have how many kids? Like 100 or 1,000 or something kids going to, I mean, a bunch of kids. You'll see them when they all come up. And i got to tell you, I've been on th some of these uh, mission trips. Those kids, guaranteed, have a life-transforming moment at work camp. We've, some of us adults have been there. It is powerful. It is life-transforming. We have vacation Bible school. We have summer camps. We have adult education. We have all these programs that are so important to the church but if we're to overcome evil, we need to keep the essential ministry or mission of the church in view. And that is not that we keep growing ministries or programs or projects, 
the essential ministry of the church is spiritual transformation that we move from glory into glory that we become this is Paul's language St. Paul's language that we become like the icon or the image of Christ formed in us so how do we overcome evil one we keep the essential ministry or mission of the church which is spiritual transformation clearly in sight how do we overcome evil number two we keep the vision clearly in sight go to verse 18. verse 18 saint paul tells us a very difficult thing so first thing we do keep the ministry in sight spiritual transformation second we keep the vision in sight verse 18 saint paul says this we look at things not that are seen but we look we look at things that are unseen now can we talk about that for a moment i know we got to get to the picnic how difficult is it to see things that are unseen how difficult is it to see things that are seeable can i make my first confession to you my brothers and sisters you'll have some compassion on on me please no thank you um so i need to confess to you that i have lied to my spouse my wife not only have i done that i continue to do that and will likely continue to do it in the future let me give an example uh, on days when Jane's not working, on a day like this, she will be out in the garden for a long, long time. And I'll come home, and she'll say to me, did you notice the new flowers I put in the front garden? And I will say, yes. <laughs> did you notice I rearranged the furniture? Yes. But then she has this little thing that she does. Did you notice the new blouse I had on yesterday? Of course. What color was it? Uh, purple. No. <laughs> if you can't see things that are visible, anybody, guys, anybody else? Girls? If you can't see things that are visible, how do you see things that are unseen? That's hard. How do you do that? There's only one way I know to do it. And there's only one word I know that'll cover it. Do you know what that word is? Acronym, right, we need an acronym. And the acronym is prayer. The way to see things that are unseen, to see things that are unseen is prayer. So the acronym is P, practice. We need to practice at prayer. We need to use the name of the Lord over and over again, not in vain, but in prayer. We need to practice. We need receptivity, the R. We need to be receptive to the Spirit so that by the power of the Spirit given, we can see the activity of the Spirit in the world. We need practice, we need receptivity, we need attentiveness. There's a way of being attentive to seeing through the physical things of the world, as St. Paul says, to the spiritual things. Practice, receptivity, attentiveness, a yearning, a yearning to see God more than anything else, to see the activity of God, and earnestness, so that we earnestly seek God. We're not double-minded. We don't practice one thing and think another thing. There's an earnestness. And finally, repetition. We need to do it over and over and over again. And I know that the world, and I'm not overstating this, disdains repetition. We even have an awful phrase for that. We say, been there, done that. 
And I say, then be there and do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because if you don't practice repetition, you will not know it. So how do we keep our eyes focused on things that are unseen? Prayer. So how do we come overcome evil? Keep the ministry firmly in mind. Spiritual transformation. We see things that are unseeable through prayer. How do we overcome evil? We do not lose heart. Paul says that twice. Do not lose heart. Now listen. He puts it in the negative for a very good reason. If you put that in the positive, it says something like, you just need to be positive and happy all the time. Do you know people who are positive and happy all the time? Can there be anything more annoying than that? When the, I just thought, you're creepy. Go away. You know, I don't like that. So being positive and happy all the time is different from not losing heart. And Paul would, St. Paul would understand not losing heart. St. Paul is the one who was shipwrecked once. He was flogged multiple times. He was arrested multiple times. He received the 40 lashes minus one. Over 40 lashes, you're likely to die, so they pulled it so that you'd be seriously wounded but not dead. So he understands what it's like to possibly lose heart. And yet he says in these verses, he says, even though, listen to what he says, even though we are hard-pressed, we're not crushed. Even though we are perplexed, we're not in despair. Even though we're persecuted, we're not forsaken. Even though we're struck down, we're not destroyed. Now, apply each of those to your own life. You understand what it's like to be hard-pressed. Those moments when, those seasons, when everything seems to just press in against you and you don't know how you can do it. Do you know those moments? To be perplexed, that's those moments when, you know, sometimes they see bad, bad things come in threes. My experience is that bad things come in like dozens <laughs> all at once, you know? And, and you're perplexed. You're, I don't get it. I don't know why. Why? Why? We're hard pressed. We're perplexed. Persecuted. We call that bullying, and it's awful. We're struck down. Do you know those times when you just feel like, like crying? You know those moments? Struck down? Now, you can ask why, and it's not a bad question. In fact, if you read the Psalms, you'll see the psalmist asks, asks that question over and over again. Why? Why? And you need to know you will not get an answer other than because evil is a real thing. It's a thing. But St. Paul in this passage doesn't ask that question. In essence, what St. Paul asks in this question is, did Jesus experience those things? So look, look at that list. It's very intentional words that St. Paul uses. Was Jesus hard-pressed? Even his family thought he was crazy. That's the passage we read in Mark. Was Jesus perplexed? Yes. Jesus himself said, my God, why are you forsaking me? Why? Take this cup from me. Why? Was Jesus hard-pressed? Was Jesus perplexed? Was Jesus persecuted? Was Jesus struck down? Did the Father ever abandon Jesus? Never. Jesus experienced all those things. Will Jesus ever abandon you? Never. Never. Why these things happen, who knows? But will God ever forsake or abandon us? 
Never. So how do we overcome evil? Keep the vision, mission, mission in sight. We keep the vision in mind. We will not lose heart. And finally, because we know that the Spirit of the Lord will never abandon us, we know that we have this treasure, this risen, conquering, mighty, all-powerful treasure of the Spirit of God, not only upon us, but within us. We have this treasure in, as St. Paul says, earthen vessels, in jars of clay. And when I think about that, when I think about God putting that treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, I think how, what's the word I want to use? Ordinary. How ordinary? Let me explain. Do you remember in the day, <laughs> we used to memorize stuff, that was the first. Do you remember also in the day when we used to actually use cash and not debit cards? Remember that? So uh, in, our, in my family, what we used to do back in the day is we used to have what we called emergency money, just in case, you know? And we used to put like a 20 or a 50 in a jar, in a jar of clay, in a pot. We have this shelf in our living room, and, and it has like these different pots from every place we used to live, and it has the name, you know, Canandaigua and all that stuff. So we used to put a 50 or a 20 or whatever in the jar of clay. Why? Because, you know, if anybody wanted to come in the house and steal stuff, who would look in that? Because it was so ordinary. Do you hear what God does? He puts his treasure, the risen, conquering, mighty, eternal, glorious, loving spirit in broken vessels, in jars of clay, in us. How do we overcome evil? We don't have to. It's already been overcome. Christ is risen. The victory is won. We have to participate in the spirit that is already upon us and upon invitation in us so that we can live with that confidence that no matter how crushing life becomes, how perplexing it is, how hard-pressed we are, we are more than conquerors, as St. Paul says, through him who has proven his love for us. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that's that's how evil is overcome. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you've already won the victory. We don't have to do that. That we just have to open our hearts and our minds and our wills and our memories to you. That we have to walk in the path that you have shown us, which is an easy yoke to carry. Oh, Lord, we thank you that your spirit is resting upon us, and if we will, in us. In thy name. Amen.